This is another damn sports podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another damn sports podcast. I am Drew Torres, reassuming my role as host of this wonderful podcast that we bring to you on a weekly basis during the NFL season. I am here with Money Mike Gilchrist, who is the only one currently on this podcast happy about how his team played over this past weekend. I am full of sadness. He is full of happiness. We'll start with the happiness here, start with the positivity. The New York Giants go to London and defeat the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers' first time across the pond playing football. Money Mike, you must be elated. What is going on with this Giants squad for them to pull out a big win like that? Well, first of all, it's elated is an understatement. I mean, who would have thought five weeks into the season the Giants would be 4-1? and one. They've already matched their win total to last year, so that's extraordinary and kind of sad. But this was the Giants' third trip across the, uh, the water to play in London. They've won each time they've gone over there. And uh, yeah, it was definitely a game where nobody expected the Giants to win, including myself. It was they were eight point underdogs. They had some injuries on their defensive line um, in the secondary going up against, you know, Aaron Rodgers, who's a four time MVP and Super Bowl champion quarterback. You had injuries on our offensive line. You had injury. All our top four receivers are out uh, injuries and, and whatnot. So there wasn't a, and, and Daniel Jones sprained his ankle last week. And there was questions of whether or not he was even going to start. So there were so many questions surrounding the Giants going into this game in terms of injuries, and you know they were not favored at all. And for them to then come out and be down 17-3, to where Green Bay was moving the ball easily against our defense, Daniel Jones and the Giants offense, three and out their first two possessions, you thought to yourself, if you're a Giants fan, wow, this is going to be a long morning for us. But the Giants have shown all season long that they are a good second-half team. They make really good adjustments at halftime. I think they're really well-coached. We really made a great coaching selection in Brian Dayball, and he's hired some great assistant coaches for the defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator positions. They made their adjustments. They came out. They were moving the ball well. Daniel Jones uh, was playing fantastic. I mean, he didn't throw any touchdown passes, and I know a lot of people look at that, but he completed 77% of his passes. He ran for multiple first downs, and... He had a QBR of 75 out of 100. He had a QB rating of 100%. Um, and uh, he averaged eight yards per throw. He threw for 217 yards and ran for 37. So he just played really well. And, you know, for me, it's Daniel Jones is in a prove-it year this year where he has to prove if he's going to be the guy going forward or if they have to move on from somebody else. I don't think he's necessarily proved that yet that he's the guy. But a game like this where you're so like so uh, shorthanded and not favored to win – and you come out and play really well like this. And he had a drive where he had to not only go and tie the game, he had to have a drive where he had to go and win the game to get the right. lead. And he's had to do that in three of the four wins we have this year. He has the most game-winning drives of any quarterback this season so far, if people would wow. believe that. That, that is know? a crazy stat. And a lot of people look at a quarterback being a proven, good, consistent quarterback in the NFL, and they look at their wins and losses, and they look at their ability to lead game-winning drives. And the fact that Daniel Jones has been able to flip the script completely during the season by getting those wins and leading game-winning drives as well, that is that is a very good sign to see, especially as a fan of a team where their quarterback has been completely in, unable to do that when the pressure's on. So it has to feel good for you to see something a little bit different from your quarterback, but it also has to feel good to see that his supporting cast was able to show up 
in a game that was really this important. I mean, Saquon Barkley, he he seemed to be hurt for a little bit of the game, but when he was in, man, he was dynamic. That run game is really the reason why you guys were able to be so successful on offense, I think. Yeah, Daniel Jones, um, the drive for me, that really was the first sign this year that I was – because I've noticed he's playing better than he has because he's not turning the ball over as much, and he's just definitely has a more confidence to him. But the, where he really showed me that he's like a better quarterback this year than he has been in the past is the drive where they had to go and tie the game because Saquon Barkley went out with a shoulder injury on like the second or third play of the drive, and he was still able to drive the team down another 65, 70 yards from that point for a touchdown score. And on that drive, there were multiple third-down conversions that he converted with his legs with throwing the ball. And he just stayed calm in the pocket, took the pressure, and was able to get the ball down the field. And that's what you need your quarterback to do. Uh, and also the story of the Giants this year is their defense. I mean, they've allowed the least amount of completions of any team this year. I think it's 91. They are really good on third down. And they're really good at holding teams when they get into the red zone to field goals. So they've just been playing really, really well. And they shut out Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers in the second half. The only points they had was that safety that the Giants took strategically at the end to, you know, run the clock out. Yeah, so, that's right. You know, it, it, it's, it's been uh, – Daniel Jones is better. The defense is playing great. Saquon's back healthy and dynamic, as you said. Um, and it's just – the Giants, I think, really finally hit a home run on the GM they hired and the head coach they hired – the atmosphere and the competitive nature of this team just feels a lot different. Thanks to Brian Dayball. I agree with everybody out there that was saying this week that he really, at this point in the year is the coach of the year, like yeah, by far. Everybody else. Um, it's not just him as he would say, like he, he had to pick good defensive coordinators um, and offensive coordinators. And I think he's done that. Um, a lot of people were shocked to hear that he is not actually the one who's calling the plays. It's Mike Kafka. If you're not following the giants, you just assume that Brian Dayball is calling the plays, but Mike Kafka came over from Andy Reid's staff in Kansas city he called a really good game plan against the Packers defense, which has been proven this year to be really good again. So it, it's probably the most impressive win for the Giants in the last few years because mm -hmm. they were so shorthanded and uh, big, heavy underdogs on the road. Because even though it was in a neutral site, it was probably 75, 25% Packers fans. There were a lot of cheeseheads in that London crowd because it was the first time that the Green Bay Packers went over there. Yeah. So people were excited to see them in person. Yeah, no, I, I can only imagine how excited they were finally able to see. I mean, that that those games always draw in everybody across Europe, and if, if the Packers are one of the most popular teams over on that side of the Atlantic Ocean, then you know that that stadium is going to be filled with cheeseheads, like you said. But honestly, I would have to agree with the notion that at, so far Brian Dayball is definitely the uh, Coach of the Year candidate. Um, I honestly kind of agree with his decision to not call the plays, especially as a first-year head coach. You know, there's a lot that a head coach has to do other than call the plays, you know, yeah. and, and we're seeing over in Denver with uh, another first year head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, who is trying to call the plays himself as well as be the head coach that's making the correct decisions in the high pressure situations, kind of trying to manage that clock to make sure that you're making the right choices at the right times. And uh, allowing Brian Dayball to do that as the game goes, I think is only helping your squad. And going back to a point that you made right at the beginning when we were talking about this game. Shout out to the Giants receivers that were able to show up in this game because it's it's so interesting that Daniel Jones is not getting any ex like nobody's giving him any excuses relating to what receivers he's had to work with throughout this year. You have Kenny Galladay who's been an absolute mess. We've talked about that a couple times already. Sterling Shepard seems to just always be hurt at some point. Darius, 
Kadarius Tony has been hurt the entire year. So you guys were stuck with uh, just returning Darius Slayton as being your only guy who's really caught a significant number of balls in the NFL. He's, he's the other gentleman that's showcased in this picture here that we're showing on the left. Um, yeah. It's it was it was interesting to see that he was able to kind of step into that role and at least help Daniel Jones out a little bit because that stat line that you listed may not be that impressive when you hear it without knowing context. But knowing that he's been able, to, he's had to work with nothing, and still they weren't he he wasn't turning the ball over. He didn't do anything stupid. That is a good sign for things to come, and I really hope that continues for Daniel Jones. Now going on the other side. Is it time for potentially Packers fans to kind of panic a little bit? Because I know they're three and two. They've been able to squeeze out a couple close wins against some teams that maybe in years past they would have destroyed. You know, um, do you think that it's it, it's time to worry a little bit that Aaron Rodgers just doesn't have anything to work with here? You know, I think that the Packers, um, one of their strengths as a team is running the football, and they weren't doing a lot of that in the second half. Yeah. Um, and I feel like they don't they're not a team that shows that they make a lot of adjustments. They're really have been shown to be strong in the first half. Like they had their game against Tampa Bay where they were up 14 to three, almost 21 to three. If they didn't fumble at the goal line. Um, but then they were shut out in the second half of that game and Tampa almost stole it at the end. They, uh, you know, scored all their points uh, in this game in the first half, didn't score any in the second half. So I feel like they're a team that is really good at getting off to a strong start with the exception of that Vikings game in week one. Uh, but they don't show that they're really a team that makes a lot of adjustments to um, be as good in the second half, whereas other teams have shown that they can adjust to what they were doing and slow them down. Yeah. So that's something that is uh, you got to keep an eye on. I mean, the Packers have a good defense. They have uh, – I mean, they have a decent defense, obviously, uh, but they have um, a good running attack that they just don't use. Mm-hmm. enough i feel like and, and an unbalanced yeah, attack want... in the nfl is just never going to work regardless of who you have at quarterback right right exactly so i think that the chemistry between rogers and his receivers still needs to increase um but yeah it, it I, I i'm not sure what the packers are yet it's still so early but i i did think it was funny maybe because i'm a giants fan i it, there was not as enough as much credit to the giants winning this game as was to what's wrong with green bay <laughs> if you went on espn or fox it was just like well the packers aren't who we thought they were uh you know aaron Rodgers doesn't maybe he's getting older oh he doesn't have wide receivers who know what they're doing uh or uh uh coach lafleur is not really that great of a coach you know all these things are about how green bay is like lacking i mean i think the packers are still a good team it's just you know the giants right now are better at making adjustments than green bay is maybe that's something that green bay will develop as the year goes on yeah and you got to give the giants some credit i mean their only loss right now is to a surprisingly hot dallas cowboys team you know like it's not like you guys your guys' one loss on your schedule is against someone that just wasn't really up to snuff you know you guys lost to a solid team a division opponent that as we saw last night i mean any team can lose to a division opponent because that's because they see each other so often i feel like the chiefs always seem to struggle against their division opponents uh right and the the, yeah yeah the giants um they lost by one score to a team that has the number one defense in the league Mm -hmm. right now that the number one defense in the league is by far the dallas cowboys and the giants only lost by it came down to the last the last possession exactly you know so so 
And, 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 you know, look, they beat Carolina, who's not good. They beat Chicago, who's not good. But they beat the Titans and the Packers, who both respectively were the number one seeds in each conference last year in the regular season. Well, there you go. On the and, road. And Tennessee is starting to look on the up and up. Derrick Henry is looking like the Derrick Henry of old, and they're getting wins. Uh, as much as it hurts me to say. So good, huh? <laughs> oh, geez. Okay, well, I guess at this point, I guess we can go into the negative now. Um, so... <laughs> So uh, this you pat- gotta be impressed with that stash. I mean, yeah, I know that there's the the wonderful owner Shad Khan of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But uh, this past Sunday, I was coming into Sunday feeling that the Jaguars were going into a territory that I've never really experienced ever as a Jaguars fan. We were going into a game where I'm like, we need to win this game. Like, there's no way we shouldn't win this game. Like, we are the seven point favorites. This is a game that everybody and their mother is expecting us to win. We are never in this scenario, and we need to take advantage of being in this scenario. A locked-in win that will keep us at the top of the AFC South. Now, this game, we were celebrating this man over here with the bust, Tony Baselli, First ever NFL Hall of Famer that was a Jacksonville Jaguar. He, he was the first ever draft pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Elite offensive lineman for a very short period of time, and he was finally able to get into the Hall of Fame. That We were celebrating the fact that he got in. So you would think, yeah, this is going to hype us up. We're going to play damn well, and we're going to do it for Tony. No. Well, unfortunately, we ended up looking like this, as we always do as Jacksonville Jaguars fans, as the Jaguars fell to the Houston Texans at their home field 13-6. to Now, this was by far, the most frustrating game I have ever watched as a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. And I have watched a lot of them. We looked so dumb on offense because we were able to go up and down the field on this Houston Texans defense, only playing cover two, allowing the, the, the tight end of the seam to be wide open on every single play, and Trevor was finding him. We would go up and down the field. We would somehow get stuffed on fourth down. We would make a bonehead decision and throw an interception, and we would just find a way to not get points. The fact that we out got more yards than the Texans, 200 more yards than the Texans in all-purpose offensive yards, and that's ended up losing this game, is atrocious. The yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars organization should be fucking furious. They should be embarrassed. The Houston Texans are garbage. If you watch them, this team barely looks like an NFL team. Davis Mills looks terrible. Dude doesn't even look like he knows how to play the quarterback position. They have one and a half redeeming offensive players, and Damian Pierce is their rookie running back who's looking fantastic, and it's the only reason they scored a touchdown. And then Brandon Cooks, who is Brandon Cooks, so everybody knows how good he is. But I could go on for hours talking about how frustrating this game was, man. This is a game that Jaguar should have won, and they didn't. And this is my life. Yeah, it's it's the ride of emotions when you're an NFL fan is that there are games that your team plays that they will win when you don't expect it. Like when the Jags, um, who was it that they beat earlier this year that people didn't think they could Chargers. do it. Right. Yeah. So they beat the Chargers. No one, no one saw that coming, yeah. including yourself. Nobody thought that they would go to LA. You had said they had a, you know, on the West coast, they were what they lost their last like 20 games in the West coast or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but then you have those games, or like the Giants, they beat the Packers, right? But I'm sure at some point this year, the Giants are going to lose a game against a team that I think that they will walk in and beat. Um, 
and that's just the way that this goes. But like I, so for my routine on Sundays is I like to wake up, go to the gym, get my workout routine in, then I'm back ready for football. But because the Giants were playing at 9:30 to 12:30, I went to the gym after uh, I ate lunch, and I was like during the first half of the one o'clock game. So when I was looking at the score and I was texting you, I was like, it's six, six. Like what's going on? You're like, I don't know, bro. This is so frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) These can't seem to get this, get, get the ball in the end zone. And that's been happening a lot to a lot of teams this year is that they're uh, playing down to their competition. They're not um, converting and executing when they need to. And it's keeping teams in the game for these finishes that we're kind of like scratching your head. Like what's going on? Because you're right. I've seen this Houston team, they're not good. They're absolutely not good. And Jacksonville was in a prime position to kind of set themselves apart in the AFC South and really set themselves up to be a team that was competing with the Tennessee Titans for dominance because the Colts just looked awful in one of the worst games I've ever seen in my life on that Thursday night game. Dude, the, I mean, the, I'm telling you the Jaguars-Texans game was worse. Like, I'm oh, telling man, you right now, if that was on the national right. stage, it would have been even worse. Yeah, because, I mean, that was probably a lot. I mean, whew. That was one of the worst games I've ever seen. Um, so Ugh. that's, you know, that's that's frustrating, especially because we were talking two weeks ago about how the Jags were, uh, you know, they are better than they were the last few years. They have a different energy, just like the Giants do, because they have new leadership there and they went out and signed a lot of players on offense. It's just it's uh, I, I feel for you because you were really you, you've been so cautious about your feelings about this team coming into the season. Yeah. Even when they started winning a few games, you're like. I'm not going to fall for it. I'm not going to like fall into the pit of hope that this is a new year when I know that there's disappointment around the corner. I feel bad that you were right. <laughs> yeah. Hey man, that's just how being a Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jaguars fan goes, but there are two specific topics that are really circling around in the Jaguars fan base. Yes, we do have a fan base. It's very surprising, but we do. Um, and number one is, 80% of the tweets and Facebook comments that I've been seeing about Trevor Lawrence is everybody's just done a complete 180 on the dude. They're saying he's a bust. He sucks. We're going to be drafting it number one overall again soon enough and everything. Everybody is just doomsday about the guy. I don't think we are close to that territory yet. I don't think he's a bust. Now, he has he is such he has such a young NFL career right now. He has insane expectations. Do I think he's going to meet the generational talent expectations that were set on him when we drafted him? I don't know because the the number one thing he needs to develop is the ability to handle pressure when his team is down and he needs to make a play. Because you can tell he's a little frantic. He throws the ball way too hard. He overthrows receivers when when he gets stressed and when his back is against the wall. So I think once he develops that comfort in situations where he needs to make a play, I think he will he can turn into that elite quarterback because there are times during the game where you're like, man, like how the hell is this guy able to make these throws? Like this is ridiculous. We have like a our own Patrick Mahomes and then he'll make some bonehead mistakes. So it's really just developing that ability to consistently play the quarterback position under solid leadership in Doug Peterson and I think he will get better throughout as the season goes. Everybody needs to chill with the bus talk. Number yeah. 2 though. Sorry, I'll, I'll let you comment in a second. Number two. I was just agreeing with that. Doug Peterson needs to stick with running the ball. As great of a coach as, as he is, he is relying way too much on Trevor Lawrence to be able to make plays. He he abandons the run. It's basically right when we're, when we're down by one score, he just doesn't run the ball anymore, anymore. And we have two dynamic running backs in James Robinson and Travis Etienne. And Travis Etienne is looking 
better and better every single game. So those are the two things that I think need to improve going forward because our defense is looking solid. Um, so it's just Trevor Lawrence with better quarterback play and Doug Peterson sticking with the run. And I think if we turn it around against the Colts, if we come out, play well against the Colts, beat them like I think we should, then we're we're away from the panic button. If we come out looking like the Colts, like we just played against the Texans against the Colts, it's over. Like like that, there's no coming back from that. We're gonna lose to the Giants the next week, and then we're gonna be fucking two and five. So, well, I hope that 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 part of that of what you said is true. Hopefully, they lose to the Giants. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I think you're right. I mean, with the Titans starting to come back and be playing better, um, I wouldn't rule out the Colts yet because I mean they're still they're they're looking bad, but they're squeezing out wins. And it's like, if they're squeezing out wins when they're looking bad, what if they turn it on and they actually be the team that people are expecting them to be? You know what I mean? Like, I was so they're... frustrated. The Broncos literally had that fucking game. And they, they just didn't just run the, the ball. Out. They could have just ran the clock out. And instead, they decided to throw to the end zone. He throws a lob pick to Stephon, to, to Gilmore. Ugh. Right? And it's like... Dude, like, this was this was a terrible weekend of NFL football for me because everybody in the AFC South won except the Jaguars, and I'm just like, yeah. what the fuck? But okay, all right, we'll we'll move on from me talking about the Jaguars. I could go for hours. We'll talk very quickly about this absolute drubbing that the Buffalo Bills gave the the Pittsburgh Steelers over the weekend, defeating them 38 to three at Highmark Stadium in Buffalo in Orchard Park. Josh Allen to Gabe Davis for 98 yards. Josh Allen to Gabe Davis for a shit ton more yards. He also threw a touchdown to Stephon Diggs. The Bills were firing on all cylinders, man. I mean, it, and these are the teams that you're supposed to beat. And if you can beat them into the ground like uh, they did on Sunday, then you have to be feeling good, right? Yeah, I mean, you just, not only do you beat who you're supposed to beat, but you just beat them into the ground. And I, I would say this game was over when it was the third down, third and long on the one yard line or the two yard line. And Josh Allen throws a bomb to Davis yeah. and they get a 90 yard, eight yard touchdown. I'm like, yeah, this game's over. <laughs> it's like, you knew right away that the, uh, the Pittsburgh offense just wasn't going to be able to do anything to keep up with this. And the defense just didn't seem like it was there. Uh, what do you think of Kenny Pickett so far? Were you able to see any of his play? Uh, well, like I said, I went to the gym during the first half of this game. Um, and also like, like when I subbed the Bills were just trouncing. Like, well, I'm not on anything anyway. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I think that he's the better choice uh, than Mitchell Trubisky. I think that he is going to play well. But I said on the podcast last week, this is a terrible first game to have a rookie start in at, yeah. on the road against a team that's favored to win the AFC. Yeah. You know, by a lot of people's standards, like that's just not a good. <laughs> I first love they game have to, to include have. that qualifier. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, it, again, I think that the Steelers have a tough, you know, schedule. It's going to be a rough year for them with Kenny Pickett or without without him uh, being the starting quarterback. But I think it's better for him to play because Peyton Manning played his rookie season and they got pounded every single week almost. They went 3-13. and 13. He led the, the league in uh, interceptions for rookies, uh, and he still holds that record to this day. Um, but then the following year, the Colts were 13-3. and three. You know, it's, it's good yeah. for a quarterback to play when they're young. I, I just love that everybody brings up that comparison, though, for every single rookie quarterback that's struggling. Like, you oh, know, I mean, it's, a good, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good, uh, like, you know, when you're a kid, you hear these, these underdog stories to make you believe in yourself. That's the one where it's like, wow, look at what happened to Peyton Manning and look what he became, you know, that's well, what it kind of feels like with that. 
Well, there you go. Well, uh, shout out to Kenny Pickett. Hopefully his small hands can bring Pittsburgh to potentially getting back to 500 because I know Mike Tomlin how, how has. How small are his hands? I always hear that. Like, like yeah, what, what? They're, I don't know. They're not. They're, they're average sized hands. It's just like quarter NFL quarterbacks are supposed to have huge hands. So that's that's that was the big knock on him. But uh, yeah. I, I know Mike Tomlin's uh, record of not ever falling under 500 is deeply in jeopardy right now. I think they that might be over this year. I think that would be a good call to make at this point because they are currently what one and four, right? They, they, one and they four, yeah. And their, their schedule is so tough. They're they're, they're definitely going to have a losing record this year. And hey, you know what? First year without your Hall of Fame quarterback Ben Roethlisberger, that's a rebuild year. I don't think anybody's going to, you know, it's not like Mike Tom's going to get fired for this year for them yeah. not playing well. So definitely not. Um, but yeah, I mean, Josh Allen looked great as expected, you know, uh, four touchdown passes, quarterback rating of 134. Um, he, uh, I think he led the team in rushing again. Again, I, I'll i say it, it, I think they're too reliant on Josh. I think that you need to have a more balanced attack in order to be, go deep in this league, but we'll see I what saw, happens. Like, hey, I saw a tweet that the Bills were inquiring about Christian McCaffrey, which we'll, we'll get uh, our friend Ian's thoughts as he comes on to the podcast the later. Being traded to him. Oh, well, that's not going to happen. But I'm saying, like, no. literally, like, this past week, like, they were talking to the Panthers about Christian McCaffrey. I doubt anything's going to happen, but that would be interesting. Um, but you're right. They, they do need to develop some sort of rushing attack. You know, they, they scored their first rushing touchdown that wasn't Josh Allen in this last game, and that was in garbage time with James Cook. So um, yeah. they'll figure that out. Uh, another team that seems to have figured it out is the Minnesota Vikings defeating the Chicago Bears 29-22. to um the vikings broke out to a massive lead over the bears the bears were able to crawl back and i believe they were able to take the lead at one point i think if not they were within a few points um and the vikings were able to find a way to win kirk cousins played pretty well um and uh vikings got a win that they should have gotten something the jacksonville jaguars did not do so there you go congrats to steve i was i was (laughs) i was shocked that the bears came back into it and i again i was like i kind of was out of the loop for about an hour and a half. I come back and I'm like, wait a minute, they were up 21 to nothing. And now it's 22, 21. Like what's going on? <laughs> How did this even happen? Uh, but yeah, again, the Vikings uh, have, um, they've won at every game, I think at home this year. Um, they're three and oh, and two yeah. of those games were division opponents that put up pretty good fights. And their only loss is to, is to the Eagles, right? When they got destroyed. Yeah. They lost to the team that the one team that's undefeated in the league. Oh, Oh my God! You know, yeah. <laughs> panic mode for the Vikings, right? Um, their next game is at the Dolphins against a team that has uh, their third string quarterback, I think, playing. Then they play the Cardinals, who are iffy, but that's at home. And then they go to Washington, who's proven not to be that good. Um, another, the real test for the Vikings will be when they play the Bills on November thirteenth uh, mm-hmm. at Buffalo. But well, I actually, like yeah, thank learn... you. Huh? I'm actually uh, me and Kristen are going to that game. Steve is going to that game as well, so it's gonna be fun. Nice. Nice. That should be fun. Um, so, yeah, so they should win two of those next three games. And then that Bills game will be a real test to see, okay, how good are the Vikings against, like, a really good team like the Buffalo Bills? So, yeah, yeah, definitely will be a fun one. Are you going to wear purple or are you going to wear Bills colors? No, I'm going to wear Bills colors. Come on, dude. Why would you just unnecessarily put yourself in the line of fire against Bills Mafia, you know? Uh, speaking of line of fire, though, this man has been in the direct line of fire for the sports media world as Russell Wilson looks terrible. Uh, oh God. I, I feel like th- this is just kind of a recurring conversation that we've been having on a weekly basis, and we are going to continue to have it 
because it is that shocking. Um, what the hell do you think is wrong with Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos right now? Well, I, I'll t- let me start with this. My dad used to live in Denver. Uh, my aunt, I had two aunts who lived in Denver. Um, they both moved back to the Northeast, um, but they lived in Denver for a while. They're all Broncos fans. Not my dad, but they are. Um, that community loves the Denver Broncos. The the Nuggets are like the Buffalo Sabres to them. Like they're the second tier team compared to the, the the love for the Buffalo Bills that's out there in Buffalo. Like they live and breathe and uh that orange and blue. They love the Denver Broncos out there. What about okay? the Rockies, dude? Fuck. No, fuck, no, <laughs> no, no. They're like a minor league team to them. Um, no, they love their Broncos in Denver, Colorado, and for this team to get booed after every offensive possession and then the game's going to overtime at home in Denver and people are getting up and leaving before the coin toss. Like these people are leaving. They've had enough. They have had enough of this team. They have one of the best defenses in the league, but they have the worst offense in the league. And Russell Wilson was supposed to be this guy to let Russ cook. He does. He's not getting enough opportunities in Seattle. The offensive line's not protecting him. He's not being allowed to do what he wants because Pete Carroll wants to run the ball too much. This was supposed to be his opportunity with an offensive head coach who was working with Aaron Rodgers where they were going to have this great defensive team and this great uh, offensive team, and they were just going to be firing through the league. And they're just not in sync. He's not making good throws. He's not making good decisions. He's not seeing the field well. I mean, on the overtime, he had a guy wide open. All he had to do was snap the ball, throw it to him. He would have walked into the end zone. But, I mean, Richard Sherman – very frustratingly uh, on the Amazon Prime postgame show says, hasn't he learned from his mistakes? Run the damn ball. <laughs> we have one yard. We need one yard. Run the damn ball. He was getting, he was very triggered. Richard oh, Sherman. yeah. He, he had uh, a few flashbacks to Super Bowl. <laughs> Super Bowl 49. Run the ball. <laughs> Run the ball. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I don't get, I, I, I honestly don't know. They have the talent. They have the wide receivers. They have the quarterback, you would think. Um, they lost their running back for the season, but I mean, Melvin Gordon's proven he's a capable running back in this league. They're just a big question mark. I don't understand what the problem is. It's it's really hard to understand what's going on. And uh, yeah, I'm frustrated because I, I in the AFC, if, if there are teams that I like root for in the AFC, the Broncos are like near the top of my list of teams that I like pull for because I, I I have so many family members who lived in Denver, liked Denver. So I was like, okay, I'll pull for the Broncos is like my, one of my second tier teams behind the giants. And they've just been disappointing to watch. Yeah, no, absolutely disappointing. Uh, but Broncos country, let's ride, right? We'll see what happens. Yeah. Let's, let's, I mean, yeah, that's the other thing too. They gave Russell Wilson an extension before he ever played a game. I bet they're regretting that decision now. Absolutely. We'll see if they're able to turn it around and Hopefully this guy on the bottom right here is able to turn around the Las Vegas Raiders who were this close, this close to pulling out a victory against the Kansas City Chiefs. The connection here in this picture, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey accounted for four touchdowns. Travis Kelsey had four touchdown catches for you. You were very happy even though you were facing I'm Patrick I'm salty about that, Drew, because I had four touchdowns from Kelsey in fantasy. I was down in fantasy going into the night. But it didn't matter because I was playing against Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a very unfortunate matchup for you. What did you think about the call for by Josh McDaniels to go for two after potentially scoring the the game tying touchdown? They decided to uh, see if they could go up thirty one to thirty with four minutes and twenty seven seconds left 
against Kansas City in Arrowhead. Well, I thought it was really stupid of the Chiefs to go for two to try to go up by nine. Uh, and they allowed it to be uh, a situation because if they just kicked the extra point, they would have been up by eight, forcing the Raiders to have to go for two. Yeah. To where it wouldn't have even been a thought of what the decision would be for the Raiders. They'd have to right. do it. So they're I, I trying to think make that's a that, game. I don't think that's that bad of a decision because if it's successful, that's a two possession game. Right. And then that just completely just blows it away. Then it's basically over. Right. Yeah. But you, you already are going to force them to have to go for two. Like they, there's yeah. no decision for them on that. end. they have to go for two. Right. So not so a touchdown alone doesn't beat you. Yeah. Right. But if if because they didn't get it, all the Raiders had to do was score and then kick the extra point and it's overtime, which that was in the Raiders' hands. So it was doubly stupid for the Raiders <laughs> to then go for two to try to take the win. Now, of course, yeah. me saying that sounds a little like hypocritical because the Giants went for two against Tennessee and converted. Therefore, they're the smartest. That was one of the smartest things they've ever done. I feel like it almost never around. works, though, man. Like that, that. I feel like that's a unique thing to see a team actually be successful in that scenario. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, based on how the game was going, I would have taken the points and shot for overtime. Yeah, but I was also mad because uh, I do this thing with some friends every week where we put ten dollars into the pot. We get as many people to participate as we can, and. The winner takes all of you. You get the most games right. You win. And the tiebreaker is the points on Monday Night Football. Mm. So it came down to me and four other people. And I needed 50 to 55 points for me to win the money. And I was there with six minutes to go. And when Derek Carr threw that bomb to Adams on third down, <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, and here's the kicker, too. I wouldn't have even been in a tiebreaker situation if I had picked the Giants. Right. So, <laughs> all I, my you, work buddies, all my work buddies were like, "You're not a real fan. You didn't even pick your team. If you picked your team, you'd be you'd have two hundred dollars in your pocket." I'm like, "Oh, shut up, guys. I was playing strategically." Yeah, you're trying to win money. You're not trying to just yeah. pick your team. Yeah, and my time. logic was, everyone's <laughs> gonna pick Green Bay. No one's picking the Giants. So if I just pick the Giants out of pride and they lose like they're they were supposed to, yeah, um, I would have been a game behind everybody. Whereas if right. I picked Green Bay like I did and they lo- and Green Bay lost then I, I'm happy because the Giants won, but I didn't lose a game in the picks. Exactly. That's the way I looked at it. No, that's a smart so, way to do it. That, that yeah, was, the, was strategic. The smart so approach. when I saw that, that that happened, I was like, oh, come on. But this is just, again, the character of the Kansas City Chiefs to be down by, you know, 17 or something at one point. Was it was 17 to nothing? 17, 17 to, to nothing, yeah. Yep, 17 to nothing. nothing. And Patrick Mahomes is now uh, 12 and 5 or 11 and 5 when down by double digits. Mm-hmm. He's just ridiculous. And when most... Most teams win 15% of the time when they're down by double digits. He wins that much when he's down by double digits. He just knows how to play in those situations. Um, yeah, again, it just proves character that the Kansas City Chiefs have. Mm-hmm. and I They're think never out of it until dangerous. the game is over, man. I mean, the Bills and fans was, know that best. And I was disgusted by Devontae Adams walking out of that. I understand yeah. you're frustrated on fourth down. You run into your other receiver. Um, so there was some miscommunication. You guys lose a game that you felt like you were going to win. You needed that win because you're a team that's struggling. And as you're walking out of the stadium, there's some innocent staff member of the stadium who walks in front of you and you shove him to the ground. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw that, but it was caught I on did. camera. I did. No, um, it's terrible. The, I mean, he's going to get a huge fine for it. I'm sure. Well, the guy who filed the police report, the, 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 and I don't blame him. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. I think he should be fine, suspended for a game, something, some kind of, uh, some kind of punishment from the NFL because you just can't tolerate that. I I give Adams credit for as soon as you know he was back in the locker room and cooled off, apologized for it, but there's still no yeah. excuse for it. 
And in a, in a lot of those instances, you feel like the person is just trying to save face, right? I mean, and like, sure. I'm sure the apology is sincere, but he's also doing it to just try and like come off as a better person, you know? Sure, he's got a he's got a Shauna, he's got a publicist who's like, yeah. honey, you got to go apologize for that. <laughs> exactly. For those of you that don't know, Shauna was uh, Vince's yes publicist and entourage. <laughs> uh, speaking of apologies, um. I don't know if the I I think the Cleveland Browns might have an apology need to have an apology for their fans because they seem to just find every which way to lose by stupid coaching decisions. Kevin Stefanski, if he ends up keeping his job by the end of this or after the season, I'm going to be very surprised because they should have won this game against the Los Angeles Chargers. Nick Chubb was running out of his freaking boots. Kareem Hunt was able to get in for a touchdown, and the Cleveland Browns were looking fantastic. But somehow they allowed the Chargers to get this dub. Well, I, I'll tell you, I saw something shared by a friend of mine who's a Cleveland Browns fan. Um, and uh, it was a T-shirt in Browns color, so a brown shirt with the orange lettering. And it said, we almost always almost win. <laughs> <laughs> and that that is literally... What this game was in a nutshell. That is who the Cleveland Browns are. No matter who the who the coaches are, no matter who the players are, that is the Cleveland Browns. That's the story of the Cleveland Browns since <laughs> I started watching football. <laughs> that is so true. So the Cleveland Browns fall to the Los Angeles Chargers. They'll be moving on to hopefully turn their season around here. Um, we just got a nice little Let's Go Giants comment from Sir Burrito Banda. He seems to be very happy for, about the Giants win. Yeah, it's for everybody who's a Giants fan out there. I mean, we're just elated by the fact that they're playing so well. And, uh, you know, five games into the season, they're they're four and one. And it's a team that we honestly it, it, it feels good to have fun watching the Giants again. Like it, it really every time I've been watching and it started off at the beginning of this year, too. Like I was like kind of nervous watching them on offense. Like, oh, my God, what are they going to do? Are they going to turn the ball over here? Hold on to the ball here. Like, don't do this. Don't do that. And it's like, oh. They're making conversions. Daniel Jones isn't turning the ball over. Saquon looks amazing. This is great. I, <laughs> if they fall behind, I can believe that they can actually come back and win. Because the Giants the last five years or so, that team, if they fell behind 17-3, to would end up losing that game by like 20 or 40. <laughs> 20 but, or 40. <laughs> well, yeah. But now, they're, they're a team that I'm like, if they fall behind, they have the ability to play well on defense. And the offense can make plays to go tie the game and possibly win the game. Yeah. So, like, I looked at the games before the season, and I circled the Green Bay and Baltimore games back-to-back, and I'm like, ah, we're not winning those. But, no, not only did they play against Green Bay and win, they played really well. And I feel confident they can play Baltimore really well and win that game. Right. So, it's just, it, it's, 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 it's fun and exciting to be a Giants fan again. I'm loving the, the fact that this was supposed to be just a turn-the-page year for the Giants with Coach Dayball coming in with a team that was a bad roster and a bad salary cap situation, and we're 4-1, and one, and we're not at full strength. So we're we not the best roster in the league. We weren't at full strength, and we're 4-1. and one. It's exciting. It's, 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 yeah. I'm looking so forward to, for, for what's to come. And, and it, it, ha- it feels good to be able to watch your team and have confidence in them. That is something yeah. I have probably have had in my team maybe five percent of my fandom and i think that was the most frustrating thing about seeing them lose to the texans is i lost all confidence again i'm like same old jaguars you know so to to see you feel confident in your team be happy to watch your team i am jealous but i am also happy for you uh 
New York Jets get themselves a win against the Miami Dolphins. Does it mean much? You know, you would think because the team had a third-string quarterback in because Bridgewater got hurt that it doesn't. But for a team like the Jets and a fan base like the Jets, it does mean something because they are a team that's now, they're like the Giants, building confidence because they're winning games. They're Mm -hmm. finding out what it's like to win and learning how to win. Um. And so, yeah, do I think the Jets are a team that is going to make the playoffs? No, I don't think that. Do I think they're as I do? I think the Giants are the better of the two teams. Yes, I absolutely think that. But the Jets are finding ways to they 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 have a winning record. This is the first time in seven years that the, after Week Five, the Giants and the Jets are both over five hundred. That is pretty wild, huh? You know, it's just you know, Zach Wilson's play. It was his second start since he came back from his injury. Um, they still have a young coach uh, who's new at being a head coach. Um, and, hey, they, they, they're figuring out how to win football games, and they, they were able to win a game against a division opponent. It, it, it was more significant than people might give it credit for because they are the Jets. Again, I, do I think the Jets are going to be a threat in the AFC? No. But I think that they're going to be a team that's going to be a tougher out than people think if they see the Jets on their schedule. Like yeah. I said about the Lions early on in the year, it's not embarrassing to lose to the Lions. I don't think it's really that embarrassing to lose to the Jets. No, uh, I think at this point it's not. And uh, good for the folks over at MetLife, MetLife Stadium. Both their teams are doing pretty well right now. Burrito says, Drew, just become a Giants fan this year. We winning, bro, I already told you guys. Uh, there are the only team in the NFL that I would refuse to be a fan of more or more than the Giants is the Titans. The Giants is definitely the second to last, and that's because of the guy I do my podcast with right here. I can't join this guy's team here. Like, like I, I have to. I, I just can't. I can't listen to him. Can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah. Uh, I, what? I remember telling you when you were trying to pick your. You were like, I, I really should pick a team to be my favorite NBA team. I really should land. And I said, Well, become a Celtics fan. And you're like, No, I won't become a fan of the same team as you. <laughs> You and I, like, oh, what kind of effect do I have on people? Jeez. <laughs> you and I share a love of Syracuse basketball, and that is it. Um, yes. So yeah. very quickly, uh, Lamar Jackson pulls out the victory with the Ravens over the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday Night Football. Justin Tucker, greatest kicker of all time. Yes, absolutely. And I, I, I as someone who loves to play the arrogant card, sometimes like I jokingly will be braggy about things. Uh, I love when he made that one field goal. He just looks up in the crowd with his arms in the air, like. Come on, did you ever think I was going to miss it? Yeah. <laughs> hey, dude, when you're that good of a kicker, it's it's hard to not develop that type of confidence, right? I mean, that's that's just how it is. Yeah, and, and I will say there were some moments in this game where I looked at Lamar Jackson, and I'm like, dude, you're not going to get that big contract you're looking for when you miss throws like that. Like, he had one play where the guy was wide open uh, by, like, 10 or 15 yards, and if you just hit him on the numbers or hit him somewhat in stride or even just a little bit behind him, it was a touchdown for Baltimore, and he like threw overthrown by like ten yards. I'm like, dude, what was that? Yeah, you know. Uh, so, and the Bengals, I mean, look, they're not going to get anywhere if they can't protect Joe Burrow. But he's also not played as well as he did last year. At the end of last year, he's just not looking as sharp. Um, and so I, I, I feel like the Bengals are a team we have to look at and be like, oh, are they who we thought they were going to be this year, or are they on like the Super Bowl loser hangover, which is yeah. like. They're it really still... just seems like they're not putting up points as easily as it was for them towards the end of last season. Um, but you never know. I mean, like sometimes teams don't really need sustained success throughout the entire year to be able to make a run. You know, I mean, the, the Bengals certainly didn't do that last year. They just, they just got hot at the right time. 
uh and we'll see if uh well they'll be able to do that again this year um yeah ian instead of making comments in the freaking chat why don't you join our call <laughs> no uh so yeah. here on another day of sports podcast we're going to be bringing on ian uh my buddy ian poseidon super smash bros is his name on twitch and uh, he's a huge Panthers fan. Panthers just came out with a huge story uh, at the end of this past week, and that is ah, – shoot. I screwed this up. Here we go. And that is that. They fired that man. They fired Matt Rule, the uh, yeah. the leader of all betting boards to be of, – of coaches to be let go during the season. Matt Rule was at the top, and now he is gone. I was disappointed that they didn't make Ben McAdoo their interim head coach because I really, as a Giants fan, was going to like laugh my ass off if they did that because he's just so terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Why didn't you like Ben McAdoo? He, the dude was a legend. He, he was, hey, to, to Ben McAdoo's credit, he was the last Giants head coach to take the Giants to the playoffs. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a very good point. I forgot you guys. Well, he took over a team that was really Tom Coughlin's team. So. I was going to say, I forgot you guys made the playoffs that time. Uh, yeah, I don't... His, his rookie season, they made the playoffs. And then he was just shit after that. Speaking of old Giants members, uh, I don't have a picture of him up, but uh, what are your thoughts on Geno Smith having a little bit of a career resurgence over in Seattle? These last two weeks, he's been able to just be in firefights and score touchdown after touchdown. Yeah, uh, I really don't make much of it. To be honest with you, I, I, I think that by week 10, he's going to be back to the Geno Smith. We all know. I would say no one love, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really make much of it, to be honest with you. I think that, you know, hey, Seattle's a, a, a pretty well-ran organization historically. They've got a, a good head coach and Geno Smith is not a complete idiot. So, uh, I mean, that's. <laughs> He, he he's 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 doing hey to give him credit he's played well so far this year i just don't see it lasting like it's like ryan fitzpatrick when ryan fitzpatrick would have fitz magic for the first like eight weeks of the season and then like he became ryan fitzpatrick and was back to who we all knew he, him to be so right that's no, my exactly. opinion on that uh, i just hope that the seattle seahawks play really bad in a few weeks when the giants go up there yeah, no, that would be fantastic for your sake uh in the nfl consistent quarterback play is key uh so now we are going to bring on our guest Ian that I was speaking about before. So this man Stop. has been, this man has been wanting to come onto the podcast for a very, very long time. He's listened to our bullshit. He's listened to our crap, and now he's finally here to uh, knock some sense into us. How you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good. How are you? Pretty good. So no, no cam today, huh? Not not, not feeling no, up to it. Okay. Do you want me to turn on the cam? I can. It, it, it's totally like, up to you. I, man. I don't have it set up. I'm constantly okay. taking down my setup to do things, so... No, yeah, you're, yeah, you're good. It's okay. Yeah. All right, we appreciate okay. the Cosmo picture. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, uh, Money Mike, meet Ian. Ian, meet Money Mike. What's up, uh, Mike? How you doing, already, Mike? Uh, I don't know why, but you already have, have me, like, hating the Giants. I don't know what it is. You know what it is? Well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like Giants anymore. I never had a problem with them until I started listening to the podcast. Oh, that's... <laughs> I always want oh. them to lose every week. Oh, Sorry. Well, <laughs> I, I'm glad I inspired some kind of passion, whether it was love or hate. <laughs> that, that's the big thing with Money Mike. He draws a reaction, no matter if it's a good or bad. Yeah. No, my, tr trust me, and I have known Money Mike since I was a very young kid. He has that effect. That's what he does. He, yeah. he has that effect. He will make you hate whatever team that he roots for, <laughs> and he finds joy in it. Um, but 
first of all, I want to get your thoughts. So we were just talking about the Panthers firing Matt Rule, still being on the hook mm-hmm. for uh, a lot of money to to pay this guy over the next few years, I believe. Uh, what are your thoughts on the the choice to do that? Uh, thank God. Uh, <laughs> I feel like the team it should be so good. So why did why did they suck so bad? Like it's like the players are good. I mean Baker has been awful, and I do blame Ma- Baker, and we can get into that later. But we're talking about this. Um, yeah, I'm happy, and I don't know who David are gonna replace him with, but or they have. I haven't looked into that that far, but um, I'm happy he's gone, and I feel like they're gonna be better without him, honestly. So, so when you were watching the <laughs> when you were watching the games as a Panthers fan, was there anything specific yeah. that Matt Rule would do that would drive you nuts, or it was just the team looked um, bad? So I just assumed the head coach was bad. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what it came down to. It's like the team, I think it comes down a lot to Baker and uh, the decisions that he makes. And I feel like he kind of wants to be the guy that like does everything and he shouldn't be because he has a lot of playmakers around him. Like in McCaffrey, like half the time he should just be giving the ball to McCaffrey, whether it's a check down. Because it feels like he like instead of like having design plays to McCaffrey, they'll like look around and then just dump the ball to McCaffrey and not he won't have enough space to do things that, you know, he does typically. So just like more honestly, just design like routes to McCaffrey or like running the ball more and just, you know, hitting DJ more, you know, when you throw the ball, don't throw the ball 30 feet over him. Um, <laughs> as fastball to him. And then when he wants to throw the ball far, he can throw the ball to Robbie Anderson. I think they have a lot of weapons. And I think that if he can change and maybe it was the coaching that was making him do that. And maybe with a new coach, um, it'll be different. Cause I feel mm-hmm. like Baker, like as a player, and as like his attitude is very much how Carolina has been the whole time I've watched them throughout my whole life. Um, in terms of being, they're very a streak, very streaky team. That comes to winning or losing, it happens all the time every year. I've watched them go like one and seven and almost make the playoffs. I watched them go three eight and one, make the playoffs and win a playoff game. Um, I've watched them lose their best receiver and then almost go undefeated in the season. So the, like, I feel like at least in the terms of like the culture and stuff, this isn't a crazy bad start. I think Matt Rule didn't really fit like the typical Carolina picture, and I feel like I don't know they're gonna be better without him. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I, when I look at the, the Panthers games this year, I mean, this last game was the first game where you guys just really got beat really badly. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland, you you could have won that game. You had your chances to win against the Giants, and you had uh, your chances to win against the Cardinals. That Cardinals game was just really sloppy. Yeah, um, and then at the end, they just kind of let them like get like they just didn't run away with the lead they just like played awesome defense they didn't they weren't doing anything on offense and against arizona what arizona was and they yeah. were just weren't scoring and the thing is they're like settling it seems like when i feel like they don't need to yeah i feel like you guys i i, I felt i i felt like ron rivera being let go was kind of unjustified like yeah i don't know why they did that and i still feel like because ron rivera i feel like i talked about like the carolina culture he fed that perfectly yeah, and they need to find someone like Ron Rivera, who's willing to trust his playmakers and put the balls in the hands of his best players, and um, yeah, pretty much like that, and just like trust them to do make make it work rather than like, you know, trying to design it too much. If that makes sense. Yeah, because before the season, this was I mean, like I said, they, they're competitive in each of their games. This was a team yeah. a lot of people pick, were picking at the start of the year as like a dark horse to make the playoffs. So it's mm-hmm. not like it's a bad roster or anything. It's just I yeah, I think that Matt Rule's firing was justified because. A lot of this goes down to coaching. Yeah. And these, these it, last it, few games. It does. And Baker's yeah. just looked, like, god-awful. And, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like really bad. You don't have a quarterback. And people have been giving him excuses. Like, week one, it's like, oh, this. He did good in the fourth quarter. They almost won the game. Week two, it's like, oh, you know, he threw for a bunch of yards. Giants defense is super good. Oh, the Saints defense is super good. And then, like, okay, at what point is, like, okay. I mean, 49ers <laughs> defense is really good. Arizona, I don't know. He played awful. 
But uh, honestly, <laughs> it seems just like, like is it Baker or is it the team? Then it's not like the defense they're playing against, right? And it seems so like eventually Baker... they're gonna have to play good against some good defenses. <laughs> yeah, no, obviously that that's how you prove yourself. But with Baker, it seems like he gets a shit ton of balls batted down at the line. Is that mm-hmm. a, a common thing with him? Yeah, I mean, like I'm not sure how it really was in Cleveland. I didn't pay too close attention to it, but it's been sure. looking like that a lot, and. That's what I mean about more like design plays to McCaffrey, like get him on the outside, like short, and let him yeah. run with the ball and do things. So it's like he's had like five plays this year of which he's gotten like actual space and he's made crazy plays out of all of them. He's still Christian McCaffrey. He still looks really good. It looks like he has the last couple of years and he's the best player on the team. So like Baker Mayfield isn't the guy, it's McCaffrey, honestly. Right. And that he needs to accept that and play that part. Yeah, Which no, I feel I, like kind of Daniel Jones has kind of done a little bit. And Giants, like, Jaquan Barkley is like one of the best running backs in the league. Put the ball in his hands and see what he can do. And yeah. they, he's doing stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, like I, in Cleveland, like Nick Chubb. Like, it's just so, like, I, I don't know if you were listening early in the show, but Drew mentioned that there was a rumor that the Bills were trying to trade for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, How would that make you feel if the Panthers uh, actually did that? I would be sad just because he's been like my favorite player since he's come onto the team. Um, but I feel like it probably would be potentially good overall. Unless, I don't think they should give up on the season. I really don't. I don't believe in that. And especially with their history, they they usually are able to pull off crazy streaks and they're able to do stuff. So, And I think they have a team to do that. And I mean, they're in the same division as the Bucks, which sucks, but they can get one of those games and, you know, string a couple wins together. I think they could definitely be a wild card team still this year. So I don't believe in at least maybe later on a couple weeks in. I'm not sure when the trade deadline is, but like as it gets closer to that and, you know, they're giving up on the season, I think that wouldn't be the worst idea. Yeah, because you guys would be able to get a huge haul. If, if yeah, and who knows, McCaffrey could get another injury, and there goes his career, or you know, right? Because he hasn't looked; he's been pretty injury prone the last couple of seasons. Knock on wood, he's been looking really good far this year, though, in terms of healthy, being healthy. <laughs> Did you have yeah, something else? Like you guys are out of the the division race at all? I mean, you're mm-hmm. one and four, but the Bucks are three and two. So, mm-hmm. it, yeah. it, and it, they still it, have two games against the Bucks. They could make it up right there just by you know. I'm gonna say they're going to. Yeah, uh, they haven't looked. Bucks haven't looked crazy good. Yeah, yeah. You got a tough game this week against the Rams, but then you play the Bucks, you play the Falcons, you play the Bengals. Is the Rams a tough game anymore, though? I mean, they look terrible. And I think that, like, not to get you off, but um, their Stafford has not looked good, and I think the Carolina defense is very good. And if they could find a way, because they they've been taking out the best receivers, like Debo Samuel's had two catches, like in the games, like they've been shutting down, like teams. I mean, I guess Marcus Brown did really good, but. They're, yeah. they're usually good at sh- shutting down their best receivers, so they can shut down Cobb. Like, s- s- who else is he throwing the ball to? Like, no, right? No, and, yeah. The, the Rams' <laughs> offense has looked terrible. I, I will. They say. have played the top two no defenses game. the last two weeks. Though. They played Forty ers one week, and then they played Dallas. Like, you know, those, yeah. those, those I mean, Carolina's not that good, but they're up there, and I still mm-hmm. think they can give them a lot of trouble. I think they will give them a lot of trouble. Yeah. But, but yeah, and to go off your point about the Carolina Panthers being able to make a streak, here is a list of the teams they're playing over the next. They've got two games against Tampa Bay. They play the Falcons. They still have two games against the Falcons. They've already played them once. No, they, they still have two games two against games, Atlanta. Yeah. So two games against Atlanta. They have a game against Denver, who's not very good. Seattle, who's not very good. Pittsburgh, who's not very good. Detroit, who's not very good. So, yeah, I, I think that that's definitely a likely possibility for you guys not to give up on the year. I think the toughest game you have left is possibly you have the, you know, this week against the Rams, you play the Bengals and you play the Ravens and you play Tampa Bay, you know, twice, but, but they're not necessarily the Tampa Bay of old. So I I definitely agree with you. You shouldn't give up on the year. And I think the Panthers, if they can, you know, under a new leadership, put things together with the talent they have, they absolutely can make a run mm-hmm. to yeah, get to the playoffs. The I don't see them doing anything once they get there, but hey. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I mean, like, uh, usually when 
at least the the one year they made the Super Bowl in 2003. They were pretty good, but they weren't like anything special. Yeah, yeah. And they, and they ran into Tom Brady. They ran into Anna Vinatieri. They almost won that game. It was the last second field goal. <laughs> I know. No, I, know but I, I was thinking about this. When, when Drew said we were having you on, I was like, man, the Panthers have made they're, – they're a new franchise in the NFL. They made the Super Bowl twice, and both times they made the Super Bowl, of course, they have to face either Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. Peyton like, Manning what kind yeah. of luck is that? Yeah, and then Peyton Manning didn't even do that good. It was the defense. Yeah, so. right. Von Miller. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a good point, but I, I did want to go back very quickly. You mentioned Ron Rivera. What, what, money, money, Mike? What do you think about him basically coming out and throwing Carson Wentz completely under the bus? I have never seen a coach throw a quarterback under the bus so badly as I did right there. I didn't see what he said. What did he say? So they were asking him, uh, what, um, what's the difference between, uh, what you guys have been dealing with and the rest of the NFC East, and he said quarterback. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, well, he's right. I mean, Carson Wentz sucks. I mean, let's face it. After they won their first game of the year against Jacksonville, he in the locker room goes, nobody's uh, had to deal with the adversity that he's had to deal with this offseason. He gave the game ball to Carson Wentz. And then since that game, he just looks like Carson Wentz. He looks like a bad quarterback. And what was funny in time frame, for those of you listening to this, is that Drew texts me after the Jags lose to the Texans. And he says, look, the only uh, good I can get out of this weekend is is for the Titans to blow this game against Washington. And then right after he sends that text and I read it, Carson Wentz throws that pick in the end zone on the goal line. And I text back, well, it's too bad Washington has Carson Wentz as their quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just thought him coming out and just blatantly saying that was so funny. He he has since apologized, (laughs) but I think the damage has been done. Carson Wentz has had such a fall from grace after that injury. Really? Honestly. and, and that Thursday night game we had last week was bad, but this is t- tomorrow's th- Thursday night game. Uh, sorry, uh, tomorrow. On Thursday, they have the Washington football team, Washington Commanders, Washington, whatever you want to call them, uh, versus the Chicago Bears. Ugh. Yeah, yeah that, I, I think that's still going to be more interesting than the fucking Broncos-Colts game, because I think there's at least going to yeah. be points and some funny plays being made. Did they let the NFL design that schedule? Did they, they like pick those games out? Or did the NFL give them, like, you can choose this one, this one? I'm like, wondering what happened. Yeah. Could they give him like $2 billion or something like that? Like, the tough thing with the Thursday and... night games is every team in the league needs to have one of those. So you're going to yeah. have uh-huh. duds, right? I mean, that, yeah. that's just how it is. And Unfortunately, last week, I mean, before the season, you you probably thought Colts-Broncos, that's a fantastic matchup. But then... Yeah, he's Manning Bowl. <laughs> right. <Would> you... <laughs> yeah, I, I would have because everybody thought Russell Wilson was going to be fantastic and people thought that the yeah, Colts were going to be... Ryan was going to be too. Yeah. Yeah, well, but people thought the uh, Colts were going to be Super Bowl contenders, though, that they were saying. Did they? Yeah, a lot yeah. of people were saying that, trust me. Because, Interesting. Because <laughs> people blamed Carson Wentz so much for the, their struggles last year. They thought that everything else on the team was that good. And yeah. here we are. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I mean, do. They're... Oh, God. What's their record? They're, are they 2 2 and 1 or 3 Yeah, 2 2 and 1. 2 2 and 1. 2 2 and 1. And they beat the Col- and they beat the Chiefs. So I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, they beat the and Chiefs. They, they beat they the could, Broncos. That division is not great, so uh, they could win it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Drew, they don't have Drew's any good teams in that division. division not like, great. Really is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, b- before this past Sunday, I would have completely refuted that. But, now it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Um, well, it also, you know, I could say you can throw it in there. It's a divisional matchup, and. Uh, well, uh, dude, that Houston team is bad, name? though. There's no excuse. Yeah, they're bad. I don't give a fuck they, who 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, they just didn't score. They just didn't score. That's what yeah. it came down to. <laughs> Drew, Drew we, we, we can't not talk about that uh, roughing the passer call on Atlanta mm-hmm. against Tom Brady. While we have a fan of the uh, the NFC South on hand, mm-hmm. and when you saw that play, like how ridiculous was that in your eyes? What play are we talking about? I'm sorry. When uh, so so Atlanta was coming back against Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay has the ball. I think it was third down, and they sack Tom Brady, and they call roughing the passer mm-hmm. on the play, where the guy just basically wrapped Tom up by his waist and mm-hmm. threw him down. And they said roughing the passer because he slammed him down to the ground. And yeah. I, I've heard an official, like one of those official analysts on one of the networks saying, well, of all the rules in the NFL uh, rule book, the roughing the passer call is an interpretation where if you're in doubt, throw the flag. If you think mm-hmm. that it possibly is roughing the passer, throw the flag because we're supposed to protect the quarterback. And it basically gave Tampa Bay the chance to get a first down and run the clock out where Atlanta had all this momentum. And they saw if they got the ball back, they would score. And so it just completely negated a, a chance for the Atlanta um, the Atlanta Falcons to, you know, pull his comeback. I think Drew's going to play it right now. Yeah, yeah. Here's the play if you haven't seen it yet, Ian. Yeah. yeah. Take down Detroit. Tom Brady on third down. The line gets around. Tom Brady there. He is. That was called roughing the passer. They called that roughing the passer. Like, can you play it again? I, I was looking at the, the, the stream. I, was I called you that roughing the passer. They called that yeah. roughing the passer. I'm going to do it one more time just to show how ridiculous it is. So literally, it's do? just it's just a How'd standard tackle, tackle bro. Like what the fuck? That's some Tom Brady rule. Like that would have been that's a huge game. The Falcons would be winning the division right now, leading the division. Right yeah, because that was on fourth down, and man. Gonna, yeah. If that happened to Daniel Jones, Trevor Lawrence, or Baker Mayfield, if or that Sam Darnold, like, yeah, that's uh, Yeah. Yeah. That 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 <laughs> would uh that would not be called rough in the past. So that was definitely a favorable the, call to Tom Brady. That's one of the most like clean tackles I've ever seen. It probably didn't even hurt. But like, he felt no pain from that at all. It was yeah. the softest tackle. <laughs> like, like, what are you supposed to do at that point? That's that's ridiculous. And not to say the Falcons would have won that game. I mean, there's probably other things. You know, who knows they would have scored. But that's actually insane. And they just robbed the Falcons of a potential win right there, which could be crucial, at least for now. Like winning, leading the division, like with, with a team that you probably didn't think was going to do too much. And to like have that momentum and be like get in that mindset like hey we can do it like look we're I mean it's it's a short sample size but it's a quarter way through the season and you're winning the division like I mean it's a team that probably like I guess I didn't think they were gonna do too much um like losing like obviously like Calvin Ridley and like starting like Marcus Mariota who right. probably is a quarterback that just felt to them they probably <laughs> wasn't their first choice it was like Mark we we're targeting Marcus Mariota I'm probably sure that didn't happen um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no so, definitely not yeah so I think that's uh, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, no, absolutely ridiculous. And another call that was similar to that, too. I don't know if you mentioned this, Mike, but the call from last night during the Chiefs-Raiders game as well, where uh, I believe it was Chris Jones tack- or, uh, tackled Derek Carr from behind, literally pulled the ball out from Derek Carr's hand, and it just happened that he fell on top of Derek Carr with the ball in his hand, and they still called roughing the passer and negated the fumble recovery and everything. And, and yeah. It's like, dude... the. This isn't as much of a conversation as it been it has been in past years, but the refs are impacting a lot of games, and mm-hmm. it really sucks because it's 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 very annoying when that shit happens. Yeah, uh, especially yeah. when they have like all the ability to review and stuff, and they were like the first sport to like have challenges and stuff, right? Like have yeah. booth reviews, so right. like we should definitely be more advanced than that and like have some sort of fail safe method or something because that's ridiculous. It like hundred percent is just have it cost the game, and then it's just like. I mean, I'm sure people, you guys have played sports before, and to have, like, 
referee coming between the win and the loss. It's just it's very frustrating. Yeah, you it never is. want them to decide the outcome of a game. And you also you want them to be consistent. And I hate that referees officiate games differently depending on what point in the game it is. Like they'll call a pass interference in the last two minutes that they wouldn't call necessarily in the second or third quarter mm-hmm. because it's the it's the moment. You know, yeah, that, I hate that. Or yeah. if they miss a call, right on one play, to, like, make up play, for it. They'll, they'll nitpick something to make up for it. Yeah, the makeup call, and it's yeah. just so stupid. Yeah, That's I remember Michael Jordan deal. saying one time. Uh, I heard this story where he, um, he made some kind of move, and they called traveling on Michael Jordan. And he looked at the ref like, "What are you doing?" And then the next play down the court, somebody on the other team tried the exact same move. And they call it the same call. They call traveling. And Michael Jordan goes up to the guy and goes, if they're going to call it on me, they're going to call it on you. <laughs> Which tells you everything you need to know that, look, different players get different calls, and that's just not fair. I remember yeah. Cam Newton said after a game, you might remember the scene, mm-hmm. where Cam got hit and was looking mm-hmm. for a roughing the passer call. And the ref said to him, according to Cam Newton, Cam, you're not old enough to get that call. And it's like that's ridiculous. What? And like the thing is, like these guys might not be like big football fans, or like they probably just get like taught how to do it. I'm not exactly sure how it works, but to like kind of decide things based off that, or to say things like that, or to actually judge things based off that, takes away a lot of the integrity of the game. Absolutely, it 100 percent does. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what we'll do? Right. We're gonna move on to something positive, and that is our picks for week six of the NFL season. So, Ian, I don't know if you've been tracking, but I am completely out of the survivor picks pool. I am absolutely terrible at choosing survivor picks. <laughs> um, so we are going yeah. to not do that. What you could do is uh, you could fill in today as our uh, as um, someone who wants to make picks on the games that we decide to pick on every single week, which is the Jaguars game, the Giants game, the Bills game, and the Vikings game, as well as a lock for the week. So, Money Mike, I'll let you lead this. Okay, so we'll we'll leave the lock uh, survivor pick for the end. Um, let's start with the Giants and Ravens game. I did not pick the Giants last week. I did not pick the Giants to beat Tennessee, and they won. So logically, I should pick against the Giants to jinx them into winning again. <laughs> but I, uh, I no, I, I I feel good about the Giants in, in, against the Ravens this week, and here's why: Wink Martindale was the defensive coordinator for the Ravens. He saw Lamar Jackson every single day in practice. He knows what he probably doesn't like or what makes him uncomfortable. And he also knows what he's really good at because he knows what he would call against Lamar in practice and what he would take advantage of. So I feel like we'd be able to come up with a good game plan defensively against the Ravens. And the Ravens secondary has proved they're nothing special. So I feel like with the Giants being at home, the Ravens are coming off a win. It's not like they're going to come in as hungry as they would have been if they had lost. So I think the Giants can keep their role going, and I think they're going to win this game at home. All right, well, uh, Burrito in the chat says, Giants winning every game from here on out, guaranteed, because I said so. 32 to 26, <laughs> Giants, final score, put your life savings on it. All right. Go. Go. I'll, I'll make that bet, Bandit. I'll make that bet. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, well, I'll make my pick first, and then I'll let you go, Ian. So I think that the Baltimore Ravens are going to pull this game out because I am in a, in a state of mind where, yes, the Giants just pulled out a fantastic win against the Packers. I'm very proud of them, but it is still... Prove it to me that you can play consistent football against the top teams in the NFL. So until they do that, I'm going to pick the Ravens in this type of matchup. Go ahead, Ian. I will probably go with the Ravens as well. Um, I think it's very hard. You can create a game plan around Lamar Jackson, but he's, uh, he's probably going to beat you anyway in some way. I mean, like his throw, like they're a big play team. And if the Giants can start taking away their big plays, then they can win. I just don't know if they're going to be able to do that. They probably can. They have a good defense. And if they're able to, I wouldn't be surprised if they win. But I think, yeah. 
Diamonds. I think they just have too much, too many playmakers. And they're all right. They finally got they get Diamonds back, so I think there's more complete team. All right. So uh, Steve is picking the Ravens as well, but he, he did say this is a Giants team that finds a way to win. He is picking the Ravens, but he wouldn't be surprised if the Giants get another sneaky W. So, hey, I'm all for that. Um, Drew, let's move on to your game. Jags, three weeks ago, beat this team 24 to nothing. They're playing against Indianapolis. They should win, but will they win? You go ahead. <laughs> Listen, it, it's hard not to look at this game and feel like this is like a season-defining game because we need to be able to right the ship after the most embarrassing loss that I've ever watched the Jacksonville Jaguars play in. Um, so I am going to say the Jaguars win this game purely out of hope that we're able to mirror the performance we had against them in Jacksonville earlier in the season. Yeah, I'm going to go with... I, okay, so while we've been recording this show, I have crossed out this pick two or three times. I said Jags, <laughs> Colts, and I said Jags, and I said Colts. Because, I mean, the, but the Colts just look so bad. They were so lucky to win that game in Denver. Um, I don't think you go from losing to a team 24 nothing, and then three weeks later beating them around. And I don't think the Jags have regressed that much uh, in, in that comparison. I know they played really bad. They had a flat tire against Houston, and they lost in a bad weather game against a really good team in Philadelphia since they played the Colts. So I'm going to go with the Jaguars as well. They're going to go to Indianapolis, maybe turn some things around. I'm believing in your Jaguars, Drew. Trevor Lawrence will have a good game. Um, they'll have a good running attack. They'll play good defensively against a bad Colts team. I'm going with Jacksonville. All right, Ian, what do you, you think? I think that uh, if you get, like, pretty much what Mike says, he's going to come down to Trevor Lawrence, and if you think Trevor Lawrence is going to have a good game, then I think they're going to win because I think they're going to be able to hold the Colts to a little bit of points because the Colts haven't really been scoring. Yeah. Um, too much. So if I feel like it's just a matter of is it the offense going to put them in a position where they can win? If they score a couple of touchdowns, they're going to pull ahead really far and just ride the momentum like they did in the first time they played? Or are they going to let the Colts stick around and hang around and it's going to be like a touchdown or a field goal at the end of the game that's going to decide it? And I feel like if it's the first one, then it's going to be the Jags. And I think that's probably what's going to happen. So Yeah, Jags. Jags D has looked solid this year, so I hope they keep playing yeah. pretty well. So then we've got Steve's uh, Minnesota Vikings playing at Miami. Uh, Miami, I don't oh, Mike, believe. Mike, where's the energy, have... man? Jesus Christ, you sound like you're about to fall asleep. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fine, fine. All right, so the Minnesota Vikings are going to Miami, Florida, where they're playing against possibly a third-string quarterback. Will the Vikings keep it rolling? Drew, what do you say? Uh, yes, I do believe so. Even if Tua somehow does come back, I do believe that the Minnesota Vikings are going to have enough firepower to defeat the Miami Dolphins in sunny Florida. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm rolling with the Vikings here. I think the Vikings will play well. Um, they'll show that even though it's hot in Miami, teams can find a way to win down there. So I'm going with the Vikings. All right, Ian, what are your thoughts on the Vikings? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the Vikings as well. They just seem like one of the best teams in the NFC. kind of seems like it's like them and the Eagles. And it's like which one of them is going to you know, be the one seed, get that buy and potentially have that you know home games until the uh, Super Bowl. Yeah, I like the sounds of that, man. Vikings being my Super Bowl pick, right, Mike? No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, and then we have the game that everybody – I saved this for last because this is the game that everybody's been looking forward to since the playoff game last year where the Bills and Chiefs played at Arrowhead Stadium. The Bills did beat the Chiefs in the regular season last year, but then when they went to Kansas City, they had a chance to win. They were up with 13 seconds to go, and Kansas City was still able to manage to get a field goal up and score get the ball in overtime and win the game. Bills fans 
have been haunted by this game since that dreaded evening back in January. And there's been a lot of, this was a game that was circled on Bills fans and the Bills calendar for a long time. They're going back to Arrowhead to play Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, Ian, let's let you go first in this one. What do you think? Who do you, who do you see winning this game? I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. And what do you say? The Bills had a few chances last year. I feel like they had like three or four. Um, and I feel like they kind of just, it seemed like they were like outplaying them. It seemed like they were just like, it was so easy for them to get in. The Patrick Mahomes would just throw the ball up and someone would catch it. And it would be like, whoa, how'd they do that? And it just like the Bills solidly drove down the field. It's like, whoa, how'd the Chiefs do that? And then they just got the ball last and were able to uh, win the game. And uh, I think that uh, they're going to do it this year as well. Or at least uh, this, time. this time around. They might make the playoffs, who knows? But... Drew, go ahead. <laughs> so, my prediction actually is I think the opposite of what happened last year is going to happen this year. I think the Bills are going to lose this game. But I think that these two are going to meet in the playoffs and the Bills are going to be able to pull out the win, whether it happens in Buffalo or in Arrowhead in the playoffs. I think the Bills will get the win there when they have, hopefully, a fully healthy squad. Tredavious White is back. Jordan Poirier is healthy. And they're able to pull in all of their weapons to be able to defeat this Kansas City Chiefs team then. But now, I'm picking the Chiefs. All right, so for those of you listening to this uh, with headphones on or in your car, if you're listening to this after we're recording it live, uh, I'm going to recommend you lower your volume just for a second for what I'm about to do, because this is how I'm going to start my pick. I am going to go with, oh, 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 the Chiefs are going to win this game. They're going to beat the Buffalo Bills. The Chiefs know that they lost to the Bills badly in the regular season last year, and the Bills almost beat them here, and they know how everyone's talking about the Buffalo Bills being one of the best teams, not only in the AFC, but in the NFL. And the Chiefs have shown me something <laughs> that the Bills have not. I know the Bills overcame that deficit against Baltimore a few weeks ago, but they're 1-7 in seven in the last eight games in one-score games. The Chiefs are a team that can fall behind and still get you. They have a different character that the Bills don't necessarily... Now, I'm not saying they, they don't have it, but they haven't shown it yet. The Bills are really good at blowing teams out and playing from ahead. But in a back-and-forth game, I believe in Patrick Mahomes more than I believe in Josh Allen in those situations. I think both quarterbacks are fantastic. I think it's a fantastic game uh, that we're going to be seeing year after year. It's good. It's really the new Brady versus Manning rivalry we'll see. Uh, and everyone's going to you know, look forward to this game being in primetime or the afternoon game on Sundays. But, And I agree with Drew. They will meet again in the postseason. And for me, whoever's at home wins the game in the postseason. If the Bills have home field advantage, I feel like they will beat the Chiefs in the postseason. I think they can definitely do that. But with this game being an arrowhead, and if the playoff game is an arrowhead, I'm rolling with the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm rolling with Patrick Mahomes. All right. Well, I guess game, all three of us are picking against the Bills this week. That, that kind of sucks, <laughs> but I guess here we are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. No, it's just going to get a lot of messages on our uh, our next show. Uh, fuck you guys for picking against the Bills, especially Money Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for those. Well, that's messages. true. That's true. All right, Money Mike, we'll go <laughs> ahead with it with your locks. Okay, so I do love being a troll. I will absolutely admit it. I love. I do love that feeling sometimes. I, I don't know why. Uh, so <laughs> I did not pick this because I knew you were coming on the show. I had this as my lock pick when I looked at the schedule. I think that my lock pick this week is going to be the Los Angeles Rams bounce back. They're not going to lose three straight games. Um, I, I just can't see a Sean McVay team doing that. And with a team like Carolina who just fired their coach and they're kind of on the down, I think this is a game where they go to Los Angeles and the Rams kind of put it together and win the game. 
Um, they have played two of the best defenses in the league the last two weeks. So I feel like this is a bounce-back game for the Los Angeles Rams. They still have uh, a good defense, and I feel like me at Matthew Stafford hasn't looked great, but I think that he's going to be able to figure out how to navigate this Panther defense better than he was able to the Cowboys or the 49ers. Um, when you look at this, here's the thing. When you look at the schedule here, I'm not going to touch the Washington Bears game because who knows who's going to win that one. Yeah. Atlanta is everybody's super tough, so even though they're playing San Francisco, and I could pick the 49ers here, Atlanta's just been such a wild card. I don't want to touch that. Saints, Bengals, you don't know who you're going to get with that. I've already used Green Bay, so I can't pick them against the Jets. I can't go Giants-Ravens because I, I, I believe the Giants can win, but I'm not certain. Um, you would think Tampa Bay over Pittsburgh, but Tampa What about Jacksonville, in- bro? <laughs> no, because no, because I don't know what to expect from Jacksonville. You know, I, I don't. You and me both. Literally, there's no game on here except for the Rams-Panthers game where I'm like, well, the Rams really should win this game pretty handily, you know. But <laughs> well, well, well. Hey, there's a lot of other games. It's probably the easiest where the scales are tipping one way versus the other. In my eyes, maybe I'm wrong. And no, you know I, what? I agree with that assessment, Mike. I mean, yeah. it, it, the the Panthers definitely have a solid chance, but this is just a tough slate. You know, like, yeah. it's like you got to choose the most yeah. leaning matchup that you can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, because I'm looking up and down the list. Am I, uh, am I up now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Ian. Yeah, you can uh, pick I'm one. I'm going to pull something thin air because I can't think of anything too confidently, honestly. Yeah. Um, I think I'll go with uh, Minnesota over Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was probably the only other one I was looking at too, where I was like, yeah, that, yeah. that's that's probably pop- that's probably what I would have picked. Yeah. Um, oh, I think yeah. it's just like, yeah, can't use them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and yeah. for the record, if you remember this, I did pick the Panthers week one as my survivor pick. That was the one mm-hmm. only one this year I've gotten wrong. I picked mm-hmm. them because I thought that the team would rally around Baker Mayfield and beat Cleveland. That and, guy, uh, that kicker that beat him week one has just been choking all over the place the past couple weeks and yeah. missing yeah. crucial field goals. He didn't he decide to boot it right through from like 50 some odd yards week one, but then it's, you know, sometimes it happens. All right. Yeah. All right. So we're done talking about the sadness <laughs> of the Panthers. I needed to bring up the Mets here real quick. Ian, what the fuck happened to our Mets, man? Dude, that sucks. Uh, I don't know. And I don't want, I think. It's interesting that like they did the play. I'm not sure how new it is. I didn't know there was like buys. I remember it used to be like there's four teams that made it, and then they made five, and there was like the two wild, two of the last two wild card teams would play, or well, like the, the two. I don't even remember. But <laughs> now the team of the buys, but they had to play a first to two series, and they lost, and that sucks. Because uh, I feel like a first to two it could be very. Uh, I feel like a first to three you have more leeway, and I feel like the Mets are a very good team, and they could pull off beat most teams in the first to three. But first to two is very volatile, so. Yeah. I think this is kind of what happened to him. Well, Money might give us a, the story of what happened towards the end of the season here. Well, you know, the evolution of the wild card in baseball is it used to be the be- the three teams that won their division made the playoffs, and then the mm-hmm. very best team that didn't win their division won the yeah. wild card spot, and that was it. Then mm-hmm. they added a fifth team in the mix to play a one-game do-or-die with the, the that fourth team. Mm-hmm. This year they added multiple wild card teams where they play a best of three, to see mm-hmm. who would win the series. Um, and I really liked that format this year. I think it worked mm-hmm. really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked that it was only a one-game wild card last year when the Red Sox beat the Yankees. Uh, but, <laughs> um, yeah, the thing with the Mets was that they played really great out of the gate this year. They were leading their division 95% of the year. And the Atlanta Braves, who won the World Series last year, came on hot again. And, mm-hmm. really, they played a three-game series for the division in Atlanta. 
and the Braves swept them. And I think that mentally broke the, the Mets. I think that kind of shattered them and paralyzed them for the end series of the year. And then this playoff series. And the thing was, is that the Mets were giving up home runs and the Mets don't have the kind of offense to get a lot of home run production. Mm-hmm. They weren't able to keep up scoring wise. And mm-hmm. that's what happened against this very loaded Padres offense in this series. They jumped on Scherzer and they jumped out early in game three and the Mets just couldn't have the offense to keep up. And then they were shut out six, nothing. Mm-hmm. So it just, they fell apart. And unfortunately, you know, I have a, a coworker of mine who's from Georgia. He's an Atlanta sports fan. He says all the time, he goes, the Mets just don't have the character that the Atlanta Braves do. They can't sustain the success that Atlanta can do. He goes, so I know Atlanta's down in the division now, but he goes, I promise you the Mets will blow this lead and Atlanta will win the division. Mm-hmm. And he was right. Yeah. That the Mets I've are cursed, happen, man. Yeah, I've seen it happen plenty of times where they have big leads and don't win the division. Yeah. Um, and Atlanta, for a while, they, they won the division like a lot of years in a row, didn't they? Yeah. Like in early 2000s, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah. but Atlanta did lose today. They were losing 7-1 to one to the Phillies uh, at home in game one of this uh, divisional series. They did come back and only lose 7-6, to six, and I still think Atlanta will win that series. But Atlanta lost the first game, and then Houston came back from being down Four nothing to the Seattle Mariners, and it hit a walk off to win the game, and mm-hmm. came all the way back. So the Houston Astros, who are a team that everybody thinks should win the American League, myself included, um, so they came back, and uh, the Yankees are currently playing right now uh, with that guy Aaron Judge, who set the uh, AL home run record. A lot of people think that should be the legit home run record, but they are right now winning against the Cleveland Guardians four to one at home. And the Dodgers-Padres game just started. The uh, Dodgers are up one nothing. The Dodgers are the team that I believe and many believe will win the National League. So we'll see what happens. Now, Ian, are you one of those Mets fans who uh, – do you hate the Yankees? Or are you like now the Mets are out? Or are they the team that you would pull for? So I used to hate the Yankees like with a passion. Just did not like them. Like the big brother, they got everything, and we got nothing. Um, <laughs> and uh, – but – as I, uh, you know, I've got closer to this guy, uh, Brito Panda. He's always talking about it. And I don't really, like, care as much about baseball these days. Like, I'll still watch it. The Mets are doing good. Stuff that I really only really pay attention to them. And I'll, like, check the stats and stuff like that. But watch it, listen to him, and, like, talk about the Yankees. I definitely don't hate them anymore and hope they do well. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, too. Uh, Brito's <laughs> probably the nicest and most enjoyable Yankees fan you'll ever meet. And I kind of... Kind of takes away the sourness of most other Yankee fans. So so what we've established here is that Burrito Bandit makes you love his team, and I make you hate my team. Exactly. It's exactly what it is. <laughs> One thousand <laughs> opposite personalities. <laughs> and I think that's where we're going to end this. That That's a wonderful way to end, is to say that Burrito Bandit is a wonderful human being, and Money Mike is a terrible human being. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Thank you, Money Mike, as always, for being a wonderful part of this show. You always bring the energy. I appreciate that. Thank God that we were finally able to bring Ian Poseidon Super Smash Bros onto the the podcast. Talk about the Panthers. Talk about the Mets. Talk about how much he hates the Giants now. So thank you so much for coming on, Ian. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. And finally, uh, was able to be on the show. Yeah, yeah thanks for being here, Ian. And shout out to uh, your Twitch channel, Twitch.tv/slash Poseidon SSB. Uh, check him out whenever he is streaming Mortal Kombat 11, uh, Super Smash Bros. Melee, uh, among yeah, other things yeah. as well. And shout out to Shirai Ryu TV. Him and Notskash yeah. run uh, a bi-weekly tournament series as well as a bi-weekly exhibition series. Um, mm-hmm. And hey, 
uh if you want to watch some solid mortal Kombat 11 play that's where you will go anything else you want to plug in um no i think you did a good job i think uh definitely uh if anyone's out there or mike you're on yes. twitch you don't follow those channels. <laughs> One of these days we'll get money like a Twitch account, I promise. Well, if you want to, you know, if you want to sub to my the YouTube channel as well, that'd also be. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so the Shirai Rai YouTube YouTube channel as well, right? Yeah. 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 All and right. like, say that, yeah. like, my love, my love for sports in age has, like, transitioned over to a love of, like, esports and, like, playing fighting games. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. This man is yeah. one of the best Mortal Kombat 11 players I've ever met. So, there you nice. go. And I just want to say Steve should be back on the show next week and just review his picks. He picked the Bucks as a lock over the Steelers as his survivor pick. He did pick the Bills over the Chiefs, by the way. So he's not – it wasn't unanimous. Uh, he picked the Vikings over the Dolphins, um, and he thinks that the Jags will beat the Colts. Um, but he said uh, he's not comfortable with the pick, Drew. So he wanted to apologize for that. <laughs> and he did pick the Ravens over the Giants. So I just want to make sure we got Steve's picks in there. Yeah, and he will be back next week. For those of you that are missing Steve, I know uh, we've gotten uh, a resume from Gino to replace him, but uh, it's not happening. Yeah, uh, Gino wasn't able to make it today, unfortunately. But thank you for filling in those picks, Mike. Uh, thank you guys for coming on to the show. This was another fun episode of another damn sports podcast. I hope everybody listening to the show and everybody who was watching on Twitch here, shout out to Sir Burrito Bandit, enjoyed listening to our band our banter, and enjoys week six of the NFL season. Take care, everybody.